Hey everyone, it is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, soon to be rebranded as Warrior Life, and welcome to podcast episode number 315. Now this coming Friday is Patriot Day here in the United States, and coming up I have a very personal patriotic message to share with our listeners about life's realities for the most patriotic, those who serve our country in the armed forces. Also, I have some surprising numbers to share with you and a breakthrough story of hope for our combat veterans suffering with PTSD. Now, it's all coming up in today's show, so let's get started. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival magazine. But if you have been following our episodes lately, you will know that we are getting ready to rebrand this month into... Warrior Life International from our Modern Combat and Survival Magazine model over into Warrior Life, the lifestyle brand model. And our real mission there is to highlight and feature those of you out there and that are part of a like-minded community like us who see yourselves as self-reliant and self-protected and to really learn from you and your tips, tricks, and tactics that you have for accomplishing those missions as a protector yourself. And so that's me coming up this month. So stay tuned for more to follow on that. Our logo is going to change. Our name is going to change. Everything's going to change, but we're going to have the same great information for you as well. So please stick around for all of that. Now, I just got back from our Operation Warrior Resolution uh, Warrior Retreat. This uh, just actually just a few minutes ago, actually, I just pulled into the uh, into the house and in my office now. And for those of you that haven't been following what we've been doing, I have a nonprofit, um, and we are really going to be building this into Warrior Life International as well, called Operation Save Our Soldiers. And my, my mission is to end veteran suicide uh, coming from combat-related PTSD for our veterans that are returning home uh, from, from combat zones. And this is something that I think, uh, especially being a combat veteran myself, it's touched my life. It's such a lot. Anybody who is a brother or sister in arms, for those of us out there, it's really been a, a real nagging thing for far too long. For anybody that hasn't served in the armed forces, I know the most patriotic people out there also believe that this is an epidemic among our veterans that really cannot go on. To give you some perspective on this, we have lost about 7,000 soldiers on the battlefield. Um, this, this is since 2005 when they started really, uh, looking at numbers. Um, it's, it's probably over 7,000 now. Those numbers can, you know, they, they can go either way, but let's just call it about 7,000 soldiers that we've lost in actual combat out there in Iraq, Afghanistan, and, and, uh, and these areas, right? Let me put some perspective to that because since 2005, we have lost over 100,000 soldiers to veteran suicide. Let me give you those numbers again. We've lost about 7,000 soldiers on the battlefield and over 100,000 who have come back from the battlefield and felt like their traumatic experiences, the depression, that a bullet after the battlefield that is self-inflicted, which is normally the way that, that people have killed themselves, but there are other ways that people commit suicide. Soldiers are committing suicide, but 100,000 versus 
7,000. Now, any one soldier's life lost on the battlefield is certainly too many, right? And of course, we train for that. We strive for that. As soldiers, we, we do train hard to make sure that our job is to destroy the enemy and not give them the opportunity to destroy us. But it's the soldiers that come back from the battlefield. It's the feelings of guilt. It's the memories of the trauma and experiences that we've had over there that live with us every single day. Every single day. To the point where some feel like there is just no hope. The Veterans Administration, although the, of course the will is there, nobody wants our, our soldiers to suffer from traumatic stress. But there's a lot that keeps soldiers from seeking out help. Stigmas that are out there about it's weak to ask for help. Um, the ineffective treatments, talk therapy with counselors who you know don't share your same experiences and don't really know what you've been through. So why talk with them about your experiences? They can't identify with it. They can get a look on their face like, oh, that, I'm sure that, you know, that was really bad. That was really sad that that happened to you. They have the good face for it, but unless they've actually been there, it's not like the movies. It's not like the movies. And so unless you've experienced it, you really don't know. Traditional talk therapy brings out the, basically asks you to recount those memories, to talk about them, to talk through them to the point where you understand them, you've, you've gone through them, you've put your feelings in place there, and, and then you've, you've come to, to know that memory and you've come to resolve it as where it is that like bad things happen to good people, right? But soldiers don't want to recount these memories. Why would, I mean, we suffer from those memories. Why would we want to continue to suffer from them? So why talk about them over and over and over again? Antidepressant pills, um, pills to help soldiers even just sleep at night. These are the, these are the tools of traditional medicine and, uh, mental health therapy, if you'll call it that, that the Veterans Administration has been focusing on for far too long. Now, fortunately, they are starting to expand with realizing that it is not working. And in most cases, in the vast, vast, vast majority of cases. And so um, it's it finally people are starting to do different things. Now, as soldiers, we've known that these things don't work from the very beginning, practically. And that's why we've sought out other ways to be able to deal with the memories that we have, with the effects that they have, not just on us, but on our families as well. I've talked about my PTSD in the past, um, my discovery that the things that were going on in my life were because of traumas from the battlefield. Um, I've shared very personal stories with people. I've gone through three marriages that I can certainly trace elements of my PTSD and how they affected all of those things and how they've affected everyone in my life, my family, my, my, my children, everyone, including myself. Now, a few years back, I decided to do something specific about it and making a change and just realize enough is enough. Enough is enough that our soldiers come back from fighting and they end up fighting even harder on a daily basis. You might do a tour or two in Iraq or Afghanistan and that can last a year or two. 
but then you come back and the rest of your life you're dealing with the scars of combat and that battle just never ends and i don't i've never believed that i've never believed that it couldn't end and so i set out and i started my own nonprofit called operation save our soldiers with a mission to end veteran suicide and the tools that I've run across to be able to get that done have landed in one very, very specific type of therapy that has made the difference, not a difference, but the difference, not just for me, but for many of our veterans out there who are discovering it. And it's called rapid resolution therapy. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what it is today because I've been doing some podcast episodes on this here and there. Um, I have done some Facebook live videos here recently because I just got back from our Warriors retreat that just ended uh, today. Actually, everybody just left today. And I want to talk with you about what those are. But one thing I do want you to do, though, is I want you to reach out and and help us to help veterans. So this week is Patriot Day. It's, it's actually a day that we set aside to recognize the September 11th attacks in, on the Twin Towers and other targets on uh in 2001 when we had a terrorist attack here on US soil that's what that day is set aside for we call it patriot day that the fallen about 3000 people that fell uh on that day that we honor them as patriots because we were attacked by terrorists i want you to help us recognize the patriots that are fighting every day for their very life their very soul their for their families um, our nonprofit, Operation Save Our Soldiers, we directly sponsor veterans to come to our warrior retreats where they receive the rapid resolution therapy that I'm going to be talking about a little bit today. But before we get going any further, if you can go over to uh, mcsmagazine.com slash opsos, short for Operation Save Our Soldiers, that's O-P-S-O-S. That will take you to a donation form. It is a tax-deductible donation that you can make to Operation Save Our Soldiers. All of your money goes into sponsoring veterans to be able to come out to our warrior retreats. They do not pay a single thing coming out to the retreat to get the help that they need. We pay for everything, airfare, uh, lodging, all the meals. Everything that they get is 100% paid for. They've already paid the price. And what it ultimately culminates in is two days of two 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 hour sessions so they get a uh, yesterday was the last two hour session of rapid resolution therapy and the day before that was um was their first session of rapid resolution therapy so they get two sessions out there as well as ongoing support after the retreat as well now people ask how what's so different about rapid resolution therapy and why is it so effective at erasing the effects of combat-related post-traumatic stress. And it is the most critical, it's the most, it's most, um, it is the most powerful form of response that I've seen. Um, I discovered it personally last year in October at the, uh, the first warrior retreat that we put together with our sister organization, Operation Warrior Resolution. And we support, um, we support them. Uh, Kendra Simpkins has been an amazing. She's also a combat veteran. She and I connected, uh, last year to really, really start to put some momentum behind our causes here. And 
But people are asking what is so different about this. And for really for you to understand the difference of it, it really comes down to understanding the myth of post of post traumatic stress as um as not a mental illness. Post traumatic there's a there's a big um kind of debate over post traumatic stress or is it post traumatic stress disorder? It's the same type of argument between whether we say that we have a disease or whether it's dis-ease in the body, whether it's a more holistic approach or whether it's something that's more of a mechanical or a, um, or a medical approach, right? And um, so it's kind of that same sort of a thing. But post-traumatic stress is as a, whether you, whether you add the D on there, so post-traumatic stress disorder, the word disorder itself kind of lends itself to feeling like something is broken, right? Something, it's a disorder. It's something you have. It's an illness that you have. I prefer to keep the D in there. Like a lot of our, uh, like um, people that do rapid resolution therapy also don't put the D in there as far as calling it a disorder because we know that it is curable. It is something that, that can be ended extremely quickly. In fact, at the Warrior Retreats, these two-hour sessions, that's all that's needed, really, for ending a lot of the symptoms that soldiers are having. It's almost instantaneous, practically. I felt it myself. It's pretty amazing when you explain how that actually happens here, because it's really, there's no mystery to it. It's not anything that's really, it's not, it's not really hard to understand. When you understand that post-traumatic stress disorder is not a, a disorder, it is disorder. It's a mechanical issue. It's a trauma issue. And first you must understand that there really is trauma in battle. For those of you out there, I know we have a large audience that are military and military contractors. And you understand that life on the battlefield is not like it is in the movies. It's not like it is in the movies. Uh, one of the things I see in our tactical space in our industry is how cool it is to dress up in camouflage and go out there and act like a badass and shoot your guns all over the place and feel like a soldier if you've never been a soldier before. Now, I do the same thing. I've been a soldier. I've been in combat, and I love to go out and shoot guns. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a problem killing bad guys. Some people just deserve to die. Now, you can agree with that or not. It just, you know, some people have a more religious take on it where, you know, God is the ultimate judge and it's not for us to judge. I'm just the way I personally feel. Some people just deserve to die. Um, and I don't have a problem killing bad guys, but that doesn't mean that it's not traumatic. It doesn't mean that you are weak to feel trauma or stress because you are going to. Whether you admit it or whether you understand it or whether you notice it is something entirely different. But let me explain why this is a mechanical process that you are not in control of because ever since we were some life form just above plankton, we had one mission in our development as human beings. That was to survive at all costs. We have, we started off as animals. We were, we had, there was an animal instinct there. The only thing we had to do every single day was just live to see the next day. And through that development, our brains were designed to protect us. Our brains are designed to freeze, fight, or flight. 
Those are the three responses that we know within the tactical in, uh, industry, right? We know within the tactical community that whether it's fighting, whether it's a fist fight, a street fight, a gun fight, that you can either freeze in place or you can run away or you can fight back. Those are your three responses. So to put this in context of you're walking out in the tar pits, right? You're looking, you're looking for that giant land of the lost carrots that you can take back to the cave in the clan to go eat with your baby daughter. When all of a sudden you're out, you know, you're out there, you're out there with your daughter, right? In your loincloths. And then a saber toothed tiger jumps out of the bushes. And you damn well better do something in order to survive. Now freeze doesn't work very well for not getting eaten. But it is a possible response. It could just shock the hell out of you and you sit there and you freeze. Now, that's going to happen the first time, right? And it might only happen one time. And you hope that that saber-toothed tiger is going to choose something else besides you. But your best bet is always to get the hell out of Dodge or fight back with everything you've got, right? Now, fighting back against a giant saber-toothed tiger that's going to rip you in half, also not a very good response. So we are typically designed to be able to run away as fast as we possibly can. There's a very clear instinct that we have. Well, imagine that that saber-toothed tiger jumps out. You and your daughter are, are walking along looking for gigantic carrots. And the tiger jumps out and eats your daughter right in front of you. Now, your brain does what it's supposed to do. It records that memory in a few different ways. Now, the very first way is to serve its mission of procreation and, and carry on the population and survival by making sure that you don't suffer that same fate. You are still supposed to survive at all costs. That is deeply embedded in the coding of your brain. So your brain records that event not just with the memory of what happened as a logical, as a thinking lesson, our thinking brain doesn't work that quickly to make decisions. So it also records that memory with all of the hormones of that adrenaline cocktail and everything else biologically predisposed to keep you alive at all costs so that the next time that you're walking in the tar pits looking for giant land of lost carrots, you're on a much higher alert so you don't even let tigers get that close to you in the first place. Or you're more alert so that if one does jump out at you, your feet are already starting to get you out of there as fast as possible so that you can out, try and outrun that saber-toothed tiger. So that freeze response happens typically one time. After that, though, once you've learned that lesson, your body and your brain starts to take on instinct. Instincts kick in. And it start, you start to learn the lessons to be deeply programmed new because you don't have time to sit there and go through the the OODA loop of observe, orient, decide, and act. You have got to act. That saber-toothed tiger is already in action mode. It's made a decision. Your lunch, it's acting on it. You don't have that time to be able to do that. So what happens is your brain records it, not just as a thinking memory, but mostly as an immediate response that you have to have to get the hell out of Dodge. But we are also thinking human beings now as we've evolved. And that sadness of losing your daughter to a tiger right before your eyes is also recorded in your brain. The sadness can be overwhelming. It can be depressing. It can be debilitating. You may play that movie over and over in your head for the rest of your life, triggering all the emotions that came up at that same time. You see what I'm saying here? When we think about loved ones that we have in the past, right? 
we think about their loss, especially if it was a traumatic loss, not just somebody who maybe was, you know, had cancer or, or something. Those can be hard times. It can be hard losses. But when you lose somebody in front of you, somebody right there with you, or somebody that was super close to you in a traumatic way, that is recorded in the brain differently. It's recorded in the brain very, very differently. All right. And when you remember these things, whether that is a conscious memory that you have or whether it is something that is triggered, that triggers those memories, you don't just get the memory, you get all the emotions that went along with it. But here's the thing that you also get. You also get the twinges of those hormones and biological defense response processes that your brain was using at the time to keep your ass alive, even as your daughter was getting eaten out there in the tar pits. You get all the hormones that you dealt with back in the cave day after day after day of the memory of her getting eaten. You'll never see her again the rest of your life. You'll, you'll be thinking about how unfair it was that you made it back to the cave alive when your daughter was so young and had her whole life ahead of her. If only it had been you that was killed while she got away and so on and so on and so on. These are the, these are the thinking, um, the thinking feelings the emotions that come on as part of that trauma. And these memories are essentially stored in a part of the brain that you can consider a recycling bin. Okay? So just think of it as a mechanical process, as a filing cabinet inside of your brain. That drawer gets pulled out and the folder goes in there and that memory goes into a recycle bin. So that that folder, that, that bin right there is a recycle bin. This is where post-traumatic stress resides in the brain. This is where PTSD resides. Trauma happens. It's recorded that way that it should be to keep you alive. Your brain is only doing what it's supposed to do. Now, in this recycle bin is where it's stored. So the next time you're in a situation where your life is in jeopardy or there's a perceived threat, even if it's subconscious, your body can react in a way that will help you either fight back or run away. Okay? This is your brain doing what it's supposed to do. That is not a disease. That is evolution. But I call it post-traumatic stress disorder because those memories do not have to be and should not be in the recycle bin. Because your brain also has a trash bin in there. That is what rapid resolution therapy does. It uses both hemispheres of the brain in very specific tools, very specific ways that don't require a soldier to recount the memories that they had out on the battlefield. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to describe what happened. We don't have to live through the emotions. We don't have to say our, our, our battle buddy's name. We don't have to talk about the survivor's guilt of coming back from combat after we lost somebody who was close to us out on the battlefield and be able to, you know, wonder why did, you know, I was single. Like my, my friend had, a wife and two young kids. Why didn't, why couldn't I die? Why did they have to die? Why couldn't it have been me? The things that we, we witness out on the battlefield are very traumatic experiences. They are bad memories that we have, but it's the emotions and it's the guilt and it's the sadness and the depression that keeps getting recycled over and over again from things that trigger those memories. So for some guys, it could, and, and women too, it could be sexual trauma. Um, and that's something not just for women, that is also male sexual trauma overseas also. Yes, folks, it happens. 
way more than you think that it does. Um, just being in, in, in the know of the sexual trauma that happens there. It can be situations of improvised explosive devices going off. When you're in a vehicle and all of a sudden, whether it's you're in convoy or whether it's your vehicle, an IED goes off and you lose somebody to that. Or if, if it's your vehicle, um, maybe you didn't even get hit, but you could have. Um, I remember a bullet zinging by my ear, probably just two inches. It felt like two inches. Um, I could hear the bullet zinging by right by my ear. And at that moment, I knew I wasn't going to see my children ever again. I knew that if I had just been one half of a step, just one half of a step, not even a half of a step slower in running from position to position, I was not going to see my kids. And there were lots more bullets that were headed my way. There was a time where I couldn't even recount that story without breaking down. Now, for different soldiers, it's different things, and they suffer in different ways. So it could be being in a vehicle. It could be in traffic, um, because a lot of times IEDs will go off in when we they, they'll stop a convoy so that the vehicles are stopped and it's basically an ambush. It could be fireworks. A lot of uh, veterans are not able to attend Veterans Day. How ironic is that? You know, 4th of July, Veterans Day, we can have fireworks. And just the subconscious feeling that it sounds like gunfire. It's not even a conscious thing. It can be a subconscious thing. How that can trigger all of the trauma, the emotions, the adrenaline, the anxiety, the depression can all get triggered because of subliminal things that happen. It can be anything. It can be sound. It can be the sound of a dishwasher because it sounds like, um, the Deucen has coming back or home V's coming in to pick you up. For me, I hear helicopters. I'm always looking up. I, I can, I hear a helicopter as soon as it's in the air. I'm looking to see, um, cause I'm around some military bases. I'm looking to see, is it a Blackhawk? Is it a Huey? What is it? What, what's out there? I'm trained to hear those things or I looked forward to hearing those things because it meant it was getting my ass out of wherever I was. So different things can trigger it. And when it does, it brings back all of those hormones and everything and all the memories. And what rapid resolution therapy does is it takes those memories out of the recycle bin and it puts them in the trash bin. It's still a bad memory. It doesn't, it's not brainwashing you. There's no drugs involved. There's no hypnosis involved. It is a very simple process of going through exercises and visualization exercises that allow you to connect the recycle bin to the trash bin, take the folder out of the recycle bin, and put it where it belongs. It's still a memory. It's still a bad memory. But it's no longer a triggering memory that triggers the depression, that triggers the anxiety, that triggers the sleepless nights, the nightmares, the wanting to reach for a bottle or for drugs to be able to keep the, the pain down. It's not there anymore. It goes away. It's a simple process. And I just saw it this weekend again with, we had six veterans. We had eight, eight that were scheduled. One was not able to come because of, it just became too much mentally to be able to go out there and see it. And that's the biggest thing I see with my fellow veterans is that they just feel like nothing is going to work. I've done the VA thing. I've swallowed their pills. I've talked to all the therapists. Everything stays the same. It gets a little better here and there, but nothing is ever really going to work. And so they don't try anything new. 
And I'm here to tell you, if you're a veteran out there or if you know somebody who is a veteran who's suffering with PTSD, I'm here to tell you that there is an end to this. And it's not a long, drawn-out end. It's not ongoing therapy sessions you have to go to. Our soldiers that come through the retreat, our veterans that come through our retreat, leave a different person. Last night I was hanging out with um, somebody that was in my retreat um, last year, and this was a person who was really suffering, I could tell. And um, to see the change in a person who goes back to their family, goes back to their kids, back to their spouse, a changed person, for their family to see it as soon as they walk through the door, when a woman tells you, thank you, I got my husband back. When a veteran says, thank you, I got my kids back. That's a powerful moment, folks. It's a very powerful moment. Of the eight that were scheduled to be out at the retreat, one was not able to make it because it just felt like it was not, it was not going to work for him. Had an episode, um, suggested to go to the hospital, and um, they ended up not making. He ended up not making it out to the retreat. So we were expecting seven. That seventh person did not did not show up. The seventh person didn't show up. It became too much. At some point, it becomes too much for too many veterans. Looking at the numbers, anywhere from 18 to 22 veterans killed themselves today as a result of the sadness and the depression. Today, as you're listening to this, soldiers are suffering out there. More than We've lost more than 14 times more veterans to them taking their own life than we have the enemy taking their life on the battlefield. More than 14 times that many. And it has to end. And the good news is, is that it can end. I saw it in the eyes of the soldiers I talked to today and yesterday and the day before. And the changes that I saw in them, you can see it in their faces. They are smiling. They are, they are different people. They left today a completely different person to go back to their spouse their kids, their mothers, their fathers, their families, their friends. It's indescribable. And it changes practically instantly. One soldier that I talked to yesterday, um, I talked to him in the morning. I said, how'd you sleep last night? And he said, "I I slept through the whole night. I can't believe it. Like I slept through the whole night. He slept so soundly. And I asked him again about it um, yesterday afternoon. And I said, so tell me about that experience with you. And he says, ever since I got out, basically for years now, he's like, I've, I've, I've just tried to be able to make it through the night. And he said, it's very ironic because I've gone through all the VA stuff before, all the therapy, all the pills and everything to be able to, be able to get to sleep. And I can take sleeping pills for it. But he says, how ironic is it that? He says, I, I'm proud of what I did. I was a, I was in the infantry. I was a, a team leader. I was a sergeant. And I fought for my country. 
and I'm proud of what I did. How ironic is it that I have to come back and fight just for sleep? Just to be able to get a night's sleep. And after his first rapid resolution therapy session, just the first one that he had at our retreat, he was able to get to sleep that night, sleep all the way through the night with no sedatives, no drugs that he would normally take. He came out a changed person. And our biggest challenge to them is to go out and tell your fellow veterans that there is an end to this, that there is an end to the suffering, that it can be changed. Get the word out. I need all of you out there to help get the word out as well. If you know somebody who's struggling or if you're a veteran struggling yourself, this also happens with, with firefighters, police officers, um, sexual trauma victims, any sort of traumatic experiences that we live with ongoing. Our, our um, organization, Operation Save Our Soldiers and our sister organization, Operation Warrior Resolution, that we support and our warrior retreats are designed for combat veterans. And I ask for the, you, those of you out there that are listening right now to go on over and just a $5 donation can make a world of a difference to a veteran and giving them their life back, to let them go back whole again, back in order, back in order, out of disorder. If you go to mcsmagazine.com slash opsos, O-P-S-O-S, That'll take you to a donation page. That money goes directly towards sponsoring our veterans to be able to come to our warrior retreats. I'm always re-energized whenever I go to the retreat myself to be in the the company of my my brothers in arms, my sisters in arms, because we've had some women's retreats as well. And um, a couple of them come back each time to help work with the veterans and, and share with what they've um, they've experienced with the RRT as well. And I'm always energized. It always brings me back to center. It always reminds me of the things that I can do for myself to take control of, of my life, of, ha- of being centered and focused and free of all of those things that I know I've dealt with in the past, that they don't have to be there anymore. Um, got back just a little while ago. I'm re-energized. And I'm waiting for our next Riori retreat to start. And I can help more of my fellow brothers and sisters in arms. I ask that on this Patriot Day week, yes, honor the people that have fallen in the 9-11 attacks. But I ask that you give, not just with your heart in honoring those that have fought for our country, but to help get them the help that they really need. If you go to mcsmagazine.com slash opsos, please donate to help get more of the veterans through this program. I can't tell you how much your money, your patriotism, your dedication, your love and care has truly changed the lives of so many people so far, and we're just getting started. Thank you. God bless you. God bless America. God bless our troops. Until our next Soon to be Warrior Life Podcast. This is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. 
You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.